everyone, Rowan Odom here. We're pleased to showcase Dark Dice, a free horror actual play podcast. Chills and thrills await in this creepy campaign, brought to life with a fully original soundtrack. Follow the heroes as they try to survive the exhaustion, stress, and cold in Domain of the Nameless God, the show's first season. Each new season will follow a new story and cast, including a mix of first-time players and folks you might recognize, like Jeff Goldblum, Lily Pichu, and Jasper William Cartwright. Combat is edited to be condensed and enjoyable, while still playing true to the dice rolls. Every terrifying monster feels like it's actually in the room with you. Dark Dice is available for free however you listen to podcasts, or at darkdice.com. So ask yourself, do you seek him? This episode is brought to you in part by BroadlyEpi.com. Whether you want to level up your public health or programming skills for free, want to rent a scientist, or just keep up to date with some of the latest research in public health, go check out BroadlyEpi.com. They also offer custom software solutions for both quantitative and qualitative data analysis and have some tools ready-made on the website. BroadlyEpi.com. Epidemiology, broadly speaking. Hello, listeners. This is Ty Vaughn, writer for Syntax and voice of Silas Caldwell. I'm thrilled to showcase our sponsors, the exceptional creative software suite, World Anvil. World Anvil is the one-stop shop for tabletop gamers, fantasy and sci-fi authors, or world-building enthusiasts who just can't wait to start getting some thoughts down. This is far from just a wiki editor. They have a number of tools and features available, including world-building templates, an RPG campaign manager, a novel writing and publishing tool, interactive map builders, timeline builders, and more. Your vast web of outlines, character plots, and family trees has a home waiting on World Anvil. Check out the full features using the link below or by visiting worldanvil.com. Subscribe using the promo code in the description of this episode and you'll get 51% off an annual subscription, and you'll be directly supporting the creation of TSP Network shows. Thanks in advance for checking it out. Brought to you by Twin Strangers Productions. Wasting Company Time presents Tell No Tales, Season 2 Episode 3, Father Figure 
Jesus effing Christ. Ow! Leonardo? Are you just everywhere at once, Frank? Ready to pop up at the least opportune moment? Is that a ghost thing? No. I'm afraid it's more of a I was walking down the corridor when I heard you loudly attempting not to shout profanities thing. And kicking my walls, it seems. How's your toe? It's fine. It'll be able to take my weight in a moment, I'm sure. Did that particular stretch of wall do something to provoke your ire? Collateral damage. If I'd known you were nearby, I'd have switched targets. And what, pray tell, did I do to provoke your ire? Just literally everything. Your whole you-ness. You've just dangled Noah's stasis capsule in front of me like a carrot and gone, oh, but there's no way to let him out until you figure out a revolutionary scientific breakthrough of massive proportions. Good luck with that. Ah, I see. So that's what you've been working on this past week. I was under the impression that we were going to continue working through my notes on the spirit plane. Can't say I've been in the mood to read through notes about your twisted experiments on suffering spirits, actually. Leonardo? Yes, I know. I'm sorry, I'm just... I'm frustrated, you know? This modified recorder, it's... It's brilliant. The kind of conversation it facilitates. The last spirit I spoke to had never once been able to properly communicate with their housemate, but... Five seconds into turning the recorder on, they were bickering like siblings. It's just... It's so sweet. And it's selfish as hell, but I want that. Leo, it is not selfish to want to experience the same joy that you've been working so hard to offer others. Thanks, but I'm not sure you're in a position to be giving advice on what is and isn't selfish. Perhaps. Or perhaps I'm an expert in it due to my, as you've previously described it, monstrous selfishness. Perhaps I see many similarities between the two of us, but a glaring opposition in one aspect, your clear and unwavering selflessness. Nothing about what I've been doing is selfless. You called me out on that back in your office when all of this kicked off. It was always about Noah, wasn't it? I said exactly what was needed to convince you to work for me. I spoke to your insecurity Not any true moral failing. Your work may have been about Noah, yes. But you took your pain and understood that it was a pain many others had felt. So you set out to help those others. Suppose. Not sure it was as noble as you make it sound. I was in a bit of a grief-riddled haze at the time. Nobody warns you about the second wave that comes when your loved one's spirit manifests and then your mum immediately demands that you get your boss to remove it. Really, throws off the whole five stages thing. It was exactly as noble as I make it sound. Even in your grief, you worked to help others. Why are you being so nice to me? I've never been otherwise. You have always regarded me as some kind of villain, even long before you learned my true nature. And I truly do not understand why. I was kind to you. 
Except for when you blackmailed me into working in your lab by threatening all the spirits I care about? Well, yes. Except for that. Yeah. And say what you want about me being noble and all that, but literally just by association with you, I'm crossing pretty much every ethical boundary. How so? Your experiments. I'm essentially tacitly condoning them just by working with you, which is, you know, objectively bad. I ceased my experiments the moment you agreed to work with me. Oh. Really? You have explored every inch of these labs over the last two months. You hadn't noticed? Honestly, I just thought you'd gotten better at hiding it. Leonardo, you practically live here. I'm good, but even I could not hide anything from you in these labs. Oh. Well. That's good. Do not read too much into it. It's mostly because the spirit plane problem has taken such precedence. Right. And suddenly the world makes a little more sense again. Perhaps, um... Would it help if I shared some of the burden? I was, before you joined me, making reasonable progress on stabilising untethered spirits. I could continue that work without, forgive me, the emotions that are likely clouding your judgement. And you, free of this additional concern, could continue your work on the spirit plane with fresh eyes. How do I know you're not just pretending to work on the tether problem to keep my mind off it? What motivation would you have what to What must I say or do to make you understand that the arrangement is mutually beneficial? A happy employee is a productive employee, after all. I suppose. I can't keep working on the spirit plane problem tonight, though. I'm tired and, well, to be honest, a bit pissed off at you. Go home. I will need to review the work you've conducted on the tether problem tonight anyway. Fine by me. Audio diary of Leo Quinn. Researcher, uh, alongside Frank Williamson, director of Better Place? Nope. That's much worse. I'll get it next time. Anyway... I'm home. In time for dinner, for once. But I'm wired as hell, and I can't stop thinking about Frank going through my notes and working on the one thing that is supposed to be keeping me sane right now. So I grabbed a case file on my way out. Keep helping people. Keep distracting myself. At least one of those things might actually help me sleep tonight. Case AH number 1958. Category 2, case status unresolved. Okay, so this was initially reported by a Viola Powell in Greenwich, when she suspected there might be a spirit in the home she shares with her daughter Maisie. There was apparently a mysterious fault with the boiler, which began with loud thunking and groaning whenever the heating was being used, and this progressed to the heating seemingly turning itself off without warning. The landlord sent a number of people out to look into it and found no fault, but the case was low priority, so after spending some time on the back burner and research, 
Mrs. Powell sent a follow-up email informing us that the manifestations had expanded to include cupboard doors opening, the contents occasionally spilling out like there had been some kind of force behind them. It got moved up the priority queue then, but within a few days, the customer called and cancelled the case. She didn't give much explanation, except something about her daughter convincing her not to remove him. So I guess I'll have to call and find out. I might be wrong, but I have a suspicion this one might be quite a difficult call for Mrs. Powell to receive. So I'm going to stop recording notes for this bit. More later, I hope. Alright, so I was right. I definitely opened up some old wounds when I called. But after some convincing, I'm now in Mrs. Powell's flat. Mrs. Powell, though, has decided to take her daughter out for a milkshake, which is insanely trusting of her to leave me alone here. Either that, or she's putting some serious trust in the spirit to prevent me from just going wild and burgling them. Viola told me that they suspect the spirit belongs to her late husband, Maisie's dad. It was the change in manifestations that clued them in. The cupboards that had been opening were ones that contained jumpers and blankets, and the contents almost always spilled out when somebody tried to turn the heating on. They'd joked about it at first, that it was just like Mr. Powell to dedicate his afterlife to guarding the thermostat, but then Maisie became convinced it really was him, and Viola couldn't bring herself to break her daughter's heart by following through with the removal. Which, I mean... I'm definitely biased by personal experience, but I've got to say, I really admire that. But Viola did not want Maisie here for this. She said if there's any chance the spirit doesn't actually belong to her dad, she doesn't want to get her hopes up only to watch them shatter. So, I'm here to conduct the interview alone, and I'll pass it on if it really is him. So, here goes. Hi, my name's Leo Quinn. Viola may have already explained, but I'm a researcher developing a method of communication with spirits. Can you tell me if I'm speaking to a Mr. Harry Powell? And if you don't mind, can you provide some details just to confirm? Hello, Leo. Yep, that's me, Harold Thomas Powell, though Harry's just fine. Date of birth, 30th of September, 1977. It was mine and Viola's 20th wedding anniversary this past March, if you count the years I've been dead. Which, if she asks, I do. And our beautiful Maisie was born in 2008. I died shortly after her sixth birthday. I got her a very expensive bike, by the way, which I have not seen her use once. My final gift to her, just gathering dust. I'm not sure that's true about the bike being your final gift. Your wife and daughter are going to be incredibly happy to hear that it's been you sharing their home. (laughs) I should hope so. Took them long enough to figure it out. I don't hang around making a racket in the boiler for my health, you know. Yeah, odd manifestation. Mind me asking why? Well, they kept turning the heating on. In October, mind you. Wasn't even cold. Do you even feel the cold as a spirit? Well, that's beside the point. The polar ice caps are melting, and we're not made of money. 
There are perfectly good blankets in the cupboard. But I will admit, part of it was mostly to remind them that I'm here. That I'm keeping an eye out for them in my own way. Now, if only I could figure out how to spiritually turn Maisie's music down when she's having one of her teenage tantrums. You know, I think she'd be the only teenager in the world who would actually appreciate that if she knows it's you doing it. Eh, uh, yeah. Give it time. <laughs> the novelty would soon wear off. Can I ask, what's it been like for you, your spirit manifesting here? Eh, uh, well, both very easy very difficult. Easy because it's natural as breathing coming home to my family, but difficult because I see their grief. And I want to tell them I'm here. Maisie figured it out a few years ago. Bless her. But I see Viola's doubt. She's spoken to me a few times after Maisie goes to bed, but she always stops, shakes her head like she's being an idiot. I just wish I could shake her and say, You're not! You're not an idiot! Except maybe when I see you upend the entire living room because you saw a spider. (sighs) But even then, you're my idiot. (sighs) But I can't. I just have to watch her go to bed alone, not knowing I'm here for her and our daughter. It's hard, but it's much harder to imagine not being here at all. I suppose I wouldn't know the difference. If I'm gone, I'm gone. But I don't like the idea. I'd rather be here for them, whether they know it or not. I... So this is normally the point where I'd ask if you had anyone you want me to pass a message on to, but I think it's clear you just want to talk to your family, so... Oh God, okay, I'm stupid as hell for doing this. Hi, stupid as hell. I'm Dad. (sighs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) What? I only got to be a dad for six years, and in the last decade or so there's been no one to hear my dad jokes. What did you expect me to do? No, I'm sorry. That was inexcusably bad. Well, inexcusably dad? What's my nickname at daycare? (laughs) Alright, well, I'm going to let Maisie deal with that in her own time. What I was going to say is that this might be totally idiotic of me, but I'm going to leave my recorder here overnight. Give you a chance to talk to your family alone. Oh, well, that's incredibly kind of you. I do actually feel a bit sorry for cracking out the terrible jokes now. Thank you. It's no problem. I mean, if anything happens to this recorder, please know that this is my life's work, but... I understand what it's like to lose a relative and not be able to communicate with the spirit. I really do, so... I still have to pick up the recorder first thing tomorrow, but I'm going to call Viola and let her know what's happening. I imagine one night together is better than nothing. It's everything, Leo. Thank you. It's... it's fine, really. I'm glad I could help. This episode of Tell No Tales was written and produced by Leanne Egan. In it, you heard the voices of Leanne Egan as Leo, Asha Amor Train as Frank, and Liam Chessel as Harry. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you let someone know. 
It doesn't have to be us, but it would be a nice ego boost if it was. You can find us on Twitter or Tumblr at Tell No Tales Pod, and as always, links and information about transcripts can be found in the show notes. Thank you to everyone who contributed to our Season 2 crowdfund. But with special thanks this episode to Percy for your incredibly generous support this season. Tell No Tales is distributed by Wasting Company Time Productions under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. Thank you for listening. And remember, the dead don't bite.